Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. My message this morning is entitled, What You Have. What You Have. You know, there is a crazy part of every human being and just the makeup of being humans that causes us to look past what we have and always want what somebody else has. I'm not sure what it is in the psychology of humans, but there's something there in that that, that can look past the skill sets, the gift sets, and we can, we can look up here on the platform and we can say, gee, I wish I could sing like that person. Or, or we look at Susan on those keys, or, or Nefesi when he's on those keys, and we look up there and go, I wish I could play those keys the way somebody else does. Or, or Tongai in the, in the drums there, and he's just hitting those drums. And we look, I wish I had rhythm like that guy. You know, I was, I was watching a, a Maverick City thing just recently, and, you know, some of those guys are just the most incredible worship leaders. And when you listen to those guys sing, it's amazing. And there was, a, there was one of the guys, uh, uh, I forget that guy's name, that worship leader in Maverick City, and he was there, and there was the guy, uh, the white guy from the other church near that was singing there beside him. And I was watching the white guy, and he's like trying to move in line with everybody else. And he's like, I'm like, this guy's got his own rhythm going on in this service, you know. And I can imagine him there going, gee, I wish I had that guy's rhythm. We're like this as human beings. We're, we're like that. We just look up and we see somebody else. And, you know, when we do that, sometimes we miss the power of what you have. And it's something we've got to grasp. It's something we've got to spend some time understanding what we have, what is in our life. Aristotle wrapped up the picture of what I have. He said, beauty is a gift from God. No one amen me right there. From that was the moment I expected the whole church to go, yeah, Tim, that's you, beautiful. Listen, I want to be really clear. Yes, it was a joke, John. Thank you for catching on. Thank you. My wife is gifted with beauty. My daughters are gifted with beauty. If you ask Rahanji, she would say the number one is her. But what is your gift? What is the gift that God has placed in your... She's nodding up the back, in case you're wondering. What is the gift that God has given you? What has He placed in your hand? Pope Benedict said this, everything is a gift from God. It's only by recognizing this crucial dependence on the Creator that we all have freedom and peace. We understand that everything is a gift from God. Billy Graham said this, Every day without exception is a gift from God entrusted to us to use for His glory. Let me be really clear about something. If you're looking at everybody else's gift but not what you have, you will never use the gift that God has placed in your life. You never will. When you're chasing what is in somebody else's life, when you're chasing what God has done for somebody else, you will always miss on the, out on the power of what God has given you. And you'll miss the reality that God wants you to use what you have. What you have. What you have for your life, in your work environment, in the world around you, here in the house of God, right here. What God has given you. In 1 Peter, Peter's writing 
to a group of believers. And if you go and study the book of Peter, it's an incredible one because he's writing it from Rome. He's writing it from a place that was difficult for believers. He's there encouraging the Jews that have moved to Rome. He's on the edge in writing this book to getting in a lot of trouble himself, which leads to him actually being killed. And he's writing to Christians right across the globe that were suffering and that were going through hardship and that were going through challenge. And towards the end of the first book of Peter, he he writes to them in the midst of their difficulty and and he makes a few statements that I would really love us to look at today. And we're going to look in 1 Peter chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 1. It says, So since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude He had and be ready to suffer too. For if you suffer physically for Christ, you are finished with sin. You will not spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You know, I read that and over the last couple of weeks, I've studied a whole bunch of different people's opinions on what Peter is trying to say right there. Now, you can read that and say, well, if I actually go through hardship, that's it. Sin will never come and it's going to be all good. Maybe I need to go and get to a place of hardship if you're struggling with sin. Listen, he's not talking about the fact that hardship does it. He's talking about the fact that when you're freed from yourself, when you're freed from your own moments where you're just thinking about me, then sin's power is broken off our lives. You know, one of the greatest challenges to Western society right now is we live in a place of ease. The church is at ease. We have, an, we have ease, even if we're struggling a little bit finances, we still have ease compared to the rest of the world. And he says, when we're just so caught up in our ease, self begins to take over. Paul talked about the battle between ourself, our flesh, and our spirit man. Here Peter's saying, when your spirit man is challenged by the reality of the difficulty you go through, and your eyes move from self, sin loses the power. It's a powerful statement. Listen, there is power in what Peter is showing us right here for our lives. When our eyes come off ourselves for a moment and get focused not on the worldly desires, not on the ease that's freed us into thinking just about money, about finances, about all the things around but we're moved to the reality that our eyes are focused firmly on Christ, firmly on our need for Him. No matter what your situation, no matter what you're going through, our need for Him, then the power of the world is gone and broken off your life. He goes on in verse 3 and he says this, And you've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality, their lust, their feasting drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Now, I look across this room and I see a whole bunch of beautiful faces. Makeup on, Sunday best wearing. You turn up to church, driving in your nice car, walking in here, praise God, hallelujah, in our worship. And if I looked across all of these faces, I'd see people that have no idea about the world's desires because you've never done a thing wrong in your lives. Some of you in this room maybe stole a cookie from the cookie jar when you were six years of age, but the rest of you seem perfect. But if we're real, Peter's words right here speak directly to our lives. You've had enough of the past. In your past, some of us in this room, I know your past. 
your Sunday best doesn't hide from the truth of what I know of your life. Those evil things, the parties, the godless things that we enjoyed. Because we've had enough of that and we've now turned to Christ. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. Listen, I can imagine Peter writing this to a group of people that have come out of their mess. Now, I look across this room. Some of you I know have just recently walked away from the mess of the world. And there's still those friends, just like these friends he's talking about here, that still want to pull you back into that slander on you. Hey, don't you dare go thinking church has made you any better. You're just as big a mess as I was. I remember when we were partying, when we were doing this and we were doing that. He's talking about those friends that some of you maybe have freshly around your life. He says, listen, you don't have to defend yourself to them. You just keep your eyes on Christ. Knowing this, they're going to have to stand before God for the reality that's their life. The reality for what they're trying to throw at you. Now, I can imagine Peter. He writes this as the great apostle Peter. But he was that hardened fisherman. Now, I've spent some time with some fishermen. I can imagine him being like a Western Australian fisherman. That every second word starts with F or C. And I, I, listen, these, I don't want to spell them out to you today, but the words aren't great. Their lives haven't been spectacular. They're a bit messy. They're a bit broken. I reckon Peter was one of these guys. And I reckon as he's writing this, he's thinking about his mates and the stupidity of what the old life was to him. And the fact that when Jesus said, follow me, he was following. And some of those mates are going, where are you going, Peter? Don't you think you're any better than us? Peter, you're a mess. You dropped the F-bomb. You dropped the C-bomb. You dropped all those words. You were partying with me last Friday night. How dare you walk after that prophet Jesus? And he was probably writing it with friends that had done the same to him. Maybe you're here in this room and you've got those friends. Take this as encouragement this morning. Maybe they're trying to draw you back. Maybe they're trying to remind you. Listen, in Christ, the reminders are gone. In Christ, the old is gone. In Christ, the new has come. If that's you, you got those friends right now, just stand and say, God, I know what you've called me to. I know where my future lies. Listen, those old words of the past, they're cut off in Christ. Verse 6, he says, that's why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they've been destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the spirit he's talking about those people of faith that had passed since jesus had been and in verse 7 he says the end of the world is coming soon therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers two thousand years ago he said the end of the world is coming soon i know for two reasons that the end of the world is closer today than it was then number one reason time's gone by and we're this close i think Mathematics, it's simple. I'm not being a prophet in the room. It's just plain mathematics. But if I wanted to go a bit prophetic today, I want to just look at our world for a moment. If you want to look at our world, everything that the prophets of old have spoken about are outworking. If we look through the book of Revelation, we see many of it being outworked today. Listen, we are truly walking in the end of days. 
And he said, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Be disciplined in leaning into Christ. Be disciplined in leaning into the promises of God. Be disciplined in leaning into the power of God that walks with us. That grace that saved us and redeemed us is now carrying us through what is a challenging time to be alive. Standing here in worship, and I was looking down the front here. And all of our teenagers just lifting their hands and worshiping God. I've seen a couple of those kids. They just had their eyes closed worshiping God. Just brought tears to my eyes to watch just these young kids just worshiping God. I can't think of a worse time to be a teenager in this world. I looked in the waters of baptism today. We have a bunch of teenagers and young adults stepping into those waters of baptism. Listen, they step into those waters of baptism in a time that is so challenging and so difficult to be a young adult in the room. Listen, we stand here as old folks. If you're an old person in this room, be careful that we don't cast judgment on the challenge that walks through young adults right now. We didn't have to walk through the bombardment of media and social media that's trying to grab our lives. Instead of standing in this room, casting judgment on a young adult, maybe stand beside them and encourage them. Because they walk through evil times. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. He goes on and says, and most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Carefully share your home with those in need, a meal or a place to stay. Listen to what he said. And most important of all. Notice he didn't say this again. Most important of all, all of you that are mature in faith, look at those young adults that aren't quite living exactly how you think they should. Judge them. Look at them funny when they walk into church late. Expect best and more from them and tell them, you guys suck. He didn't say that. He said, most important of all, love each other. Listen, for those of us who walk into this room mature in faith, I encourage you, make sure our eyes are cast to the young people in this room and we love them, we care for them. Maybe invite them into your home and encourage them in their faith. Maybe stand with them and pray with them when they're in a time of great need that we could be a powerful, powerful church of people. And I don't just mean here, I mean the church as a whole, right across the globe, that we could stand with people in this day, these end of days, these tough moments, these tough times when young men and women are trying to grow up through what is just bombarding their lives, that we could stand beside them. I want to speak to the mature women in the room, that we could not be just the aunties that would go and show them one way to live, but we would stand with them and we would encourage them. We'd love on the young women in this house. Yes, some of them may have failed. Yes, some of them may be not walking the way they should, but wrap an arm around them, love them, pray for them, believe with them. Buy them a coffee, stand and just show them how to live as men and women of God. The mature men in this room, pull aside some of these young men that walked into the waters of baptism, making a step of faith and say, we're standing with you and we are praying with you and we are believing with you. We are making sure that God is walking with you. Yes, they may not be perfect, but we're loving them. Cheerfully sharing a meal with them home with them. Take some of them out to dinner. Bless them. Encourage them that we could walk with them and see the greatness of God over this young generation as they continue to rise. In verse 10, he goes on and says this, and God has given each of you a gift 
from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well and serve one another. His great variety of spiritual gifts. Is anyone in this room grateful there is a great variety of spiritual gifts? So grateful there's only one of me in this room. So grateful. So grateful. Some of you that remind me of me, well, sorry for you. Spiritual gifts, that we all have our unique spiritual gifts. I started this message with what you have. I started this message with the challenge that we sometimes have looking at what everyone else has and missing the power of what you have. Listen, before I talk, you may have maturity. If you do, use that maturity to bless somebody in this room that is fresh to Christ. Bless someone in this room that is young in their walk and just maybe young in the reality of who they are as human beings. Bless them. Use the gift of maturity. Maybe in this room, you have a creative gift in your life. Straight after the service, the creative team is meeting in this room. We'd love for you to stay. Just talk to Deb and say, Deb, I have a gift. I'd love to use it. I'd love to just see it outworked here in the house of God. Pastor Mark spoke last week. Maybe you have a passion for young kids and this incredible kids department that we have that doesn't babysit your kids so you can come into church and worship without your kid dragging on your leg that's not what they are in there for they're there developing and training and equipping our young people into the things of God maybe you've got a passion for something like that make sure you see pastor Wendy straight after the service pastor Jesse straight after the service say hey I would love to use my gift in that place he says there's a great variety of spiritual gifts use them well to serve one another Verse 11, do you have a gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself is speaking through you. Do you have a gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and the energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. Leo, some bloke, I can't say his last name, said your, your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. Your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is you bringing it back to God. I was thinking the other day about that kid that was there at the feeding of the 5,000. His gift was a few loaves and fish. I was thinking on what it would mean for a kid to say, what are a few loaves and fishes amongst 5,000 people? Because this is what we do with our gifts sometimes. Hey, hey, what is my small gift in a church filled with hundreds of talented people? What is my small gift amongst many people that have so much more than I do? What is my small singing voice? What is my small technical ability? What is the fact that I can smile and shake a hand and make somebody feel good? What, what is the fact that I can just talk to people really well? What, what is that small gift amongst so many? Listen, if we read what Peter was saying to the early church and what I think still echoes 2,000 years on, we read him saying simply this, everything you do, every gift you have, whether it's five loaves and two fish, 
brings glory to God when you use it. Oh, all I can do is swing a hammer. That gift can bring glory to God when you use it. All I can do is smile and wave. That gift can bring glory to God when you use it for Him. All I can do is just play a guitar. That gift can bring glory to God when you use it for Him. All I can do is just talk to kids. That gift can bring glory to God when you use it for Him. He said, with all of your strength, with all the strength that God supplies, use the gift. My question is, what do you have? What do you have? Sitting in this room, what are the five loaves and two fish sitting in your basket today? What are they? What do you have? You know, the key aspect of this is taking what I have and letting God breathe on it. Taking what I have. You know, in this room, you might not be sure where to go with what you have. Hey, again, if it's creative, be here. If it's something small, you want to be involved in, in the host team. You want to shake someone's hand on the door. See John before you leave and before you walk out of this place. Oh, but Pastor Tim, all I've got is 15 minutes before church. That's enough. That's enough. All I've got is just that little bit after church. That's enough. You know, there's a powerful thing when you realize that what you have is enough. Oh, but Pastor Tim, I'm nothing like you. Praise God. Oh, Pastor Tim, I'm nothing like Pastor Wendy. Unlucky for you. She's amazing. But what you have is enough. Rick Warren said this, Be grateful for who you are and whatever you have. Everything you have is a gift from God. William Arthur Ward said this, God gave you the gift of uh, 86,400 seconds today. Have you used one of them to say thank you for the gift that he's given you? Peter wrapped up that chapter and he, he said a powerful statement. He said, everything that you will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ and all glory and all power to him forever and ever. Amen thinking of the guy standing on the door today shaking a hand and through that handshake you were given glory to God forever and ever amen thinking of the guys up the back moving switches and that gave glory to God forever and ever and amen the leaders in our kids room today just sharing faith with our kids and encouraging them to grow glory to God forever and ever and amen for the guys down at Marketplace during the week, just being a blessing. For glory of God forever and ever. Amen. For the people that have built this place with their bare hands. For the glory of God forever and ever. Amen. I could go on and on and on about the moments of time that we're serving God. It's all done for His glory. It's a powerful thing. It's a profound thing. Let's pray as we wrap up here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we stop here in this moment and say thank you for the gifts you've given us. For every man and woman in this place, thank you for our gifts. For our gifts. God, I thank you for those in this room with the gift of maturity. My God, they are a blessing to this house. They are a blessing to this community. 
They are a blessing to our young people. They are a blessing to our young adults. They are a blessing to our teenagers. My God, we thank you for the blessing of maturity in this house. God, we thank you for the gift sets spread right across this room. My God, some of them may seem just like a basket with small gifts. God, I pray you just highlight those gifts in this room. Highlight them in their lives. That we would see what we have. Just a small gift. Just a small amount. Small amounts. Breathed on by the Holy Spirit. Those small amounts feed thousands. In the hands of Jesus, broken, spread out, those small gifts change the world. God, I pray for the young adults in this room. Maybe today they're not feeling like they're enough. My God, I pray through your Holy Spirit, breathe in this room today. Let them know that they're enough. Young men, young women, walking through the challenges of this world, they're enough. With Christ's center of their life, with hearts and minds surrendered to Jesus, they're enough. Let them know it today. Let them know it this morning. Young men and women, God, let that breathe into their lives that they are enough, that they are enough, that they are enough. Through the battles they face, they're enough. Through standing with friends, they're enough. Through their uni life, they're enough. In their workplace, they're enough. Here in the house of God, walking in, maybe carrying a week of failures, they're enough. In Christ, they're enough. Let them know, Jesus. Here now, in this moment, let them know. Here now, walking through a tough moment, let them know they're enough. Jesus, because of you, only because of you. Jesus, only because of you. You make them enough through the cross, through what you did. Jesus, the power of your resurrection that resurrects us from the challenges of this world brings grace to our lives through you, Jesus. Enough. Enough. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this room today. Maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you're not yet walking with Jesus. Here today, I want to tell you that in our great Savior, Jesus Christ, you're enough. It's His work. He is enough. Enough for you. This morning here in this house, you're saying, Pastor Tim, I want to walk with Jesus. I want to come to Him. I'd love you just to give me a wave. Heads bowed, eyes closed across this room. Just give me a wave. Saying, yeah, Pastor Tim, I want to know Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. He's here for you today. He loves you. Grace is enough for you. Maybe you come into this room bringing failure with you, bringing challenge. Today he's here for you. Quickly, right now, across this room, before I go on with the church, I'd love to pray for you. Love to pray for you. Don't miss this moment. My God, I thank you right now for every gift in this room. Everyone, 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 every gift. The gifts that you brought us together as a church. You brought us together as a community. God, to make a difference across these western suburbs of Brisbane. 
My God, from those that have been in this room for many years to those that maybe the very first Sunday, I thank you, you brought us all together from different cultures, different walks of life, different places together. My God, I thank you for the power of together. God, I pray you give us the strength to love each other, to walk with each other, encourage each other. God, those in this room of wisdom and those in this room that carry maturity, bring great love to those of us that maybe not walking with so much maturity. God, that we'd knit together, standing together, believing together, and transforming the western suburbs of Brisbane together. God, thank you for what you called us to and the great power of that in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. And all that agreed said? I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.